0: Team 33, abysmal. The worst thing I can say about it was that, yeah, there were loud, loud boos at halftime, but they were almost being clapped off at full time because the fans nearly felt sorry for them. Team
1: 33, live every Friday night on OTB Sports Radio. Download the podcast now in the OTB Sports app. The Snap on OTB Sports, brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Northwestern Wildcats versus Nebraska Huskers at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the twenty seventh of August, twenty twenty two. Get tickets first. Official presale is Friday, the nineteenth of November. Yeah, and you're very welcome along to the Snap, your one stop shop for all things American football here on Off the Ball. We're into November, which very much means we're into the business end of things this this season and this time of year. But uh, delighted to be joined as ever by. Kane, five to discuss all the goings on. Kane, how are things? I think I've had a bit of a mix-up here because all I can see is an empty chair, running and an empty voice talking to me in my ear. Ah, oh, look, you can you don't need to see my beautiful <laughs> face all the time, Kane. You know this is a, this is still an audio form at the best of times, but as I'm I, I said shock there, as I said there, um, we're into November, and a few times in this show throughout the series, we've mentioned you know the extra game has sort of skewed things in NFL terms, and we probably have to wait a little bit longer to take stock of where things are, but we're kind of at a, at a point now where we can uh, make some firm trends and, and maybe start to look ahead to the postseason. Anything grab your eye last week in particular?
0: I mean, the biggest result of last week was really the Buccaneers and the, and the Saints game, but like, James Winston's injury was kind of fascinating there because you feel like the Saints had that injury, lost that game, and it's like, oh, they've lost their quarterback. Normally that would be such a huge deal. But the Saints have gone through this season with kind of meandering quarterback play. They haven't had one way or another. So Simeon coming in might actually keep them afloat. I think that's kind of been the big story, though. The Buccaneers, outside of the Cowboys game and the Saints game, have largely had their way. And they were making everything a little bit boring. So we're still waiting for the teams that are going to show up. I think it's a really strong positive that the Cowboys won without Dak last week. So... Besides that then the AFC is just an absolute mess who knows what's going to happen there for all the right and wrong reasons Teams are terrible for that you expect it to be good teams are good you expect it to be bad It's 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 the typical NFL season where nothing makes sense and everything eventually makes sense
1: Yeah it's funny like neither the Cowboys or the Bucks feature in our pick 6 this week but they are worth touching on because I remember in our first show we were talking about the spread for that opening night game, I believe it was the Thursday Night Football and I think it was like 10 points in favour of the Bucks. like if those two played again it would be a lot closer and uh, the Cowboys have really laid out their championship credentials, especially if they can get Dak back healthy uh, from here on out.
0: Yeah, Mikey Parsons has been very good on defence, and obviously Trayvon Diggs has been exceptional in his second year. So they've got all the the right pieces going in the right direction, all the young players there are playing really well. CeeDee Lamb is uncoverable, as we've seen, and Amari Cooper continues to be Amari Cooper. So they've got enough talent, it's just a matter of everything pulling together and, and Dak staying healthy, of course.
1: Yeah, and as you heard there at the top of the show, we are brought to you here on The Snap in association with the Erling's College Football Classic. Be the first to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, 27th of August 2022, through the official game pre sale on Friday, November 19th. That's November 19th. People who've attended previous iterations will have an idea of what's to come. Here's a little taster of the visuals. Yeah, so Friday, November 19th, Keen for anyone who wants to get involved. Hopefully we are we're going to be sorted with tickets, I, I'd like to presume, but we'll have to, we'll to double-check that. But we've spoken in previous weeks just about the, the fanfare around these games, and it's as much an event for like, event-goers as much as sports fans. Like you, you get a full 360 experience when you go to college game day. If I'm not getting free tickets, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> come on now uh yeah it is it's great it's uh,
0: look you saw there like half of that wasn't even about football like it's 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 just a massive party and dublin like dublin's a great city for going out and having a make it a day but it's time of the year is perfect as well you'll get good weather it'll be it'll be a great game and uh, it's one thing i talked about this week you don't realize that you're getting to see a bunch of future nfl players like you've got to see tyler eifert play if you went to that notre Dame notre dame game you have got to see chris godwin we just talked about the box he played for was it penn state i can't remember who exactly he played for but he played over here as well and made a couple of big plays. So you're going to get to see someone who's going to play on the biggest stage after that, even though college football itself is a massive stage in itself.
1: And I know you've worked in American media and probably like really experienced the, the college ethos. Like in terms of the game day itself, like ESPN and Fox, these kinds of stations, like this, this is a massive part of, of their broadcast and like on par with NFL almost.
0: Yeah, so the way the NFL landscape works and the way the American media sports media landscape works is NFL games themselves are bigger than anything else. They'll do 20 million, 22, 23 million. And that's because there's only 16 or 17 games a year for each team and then you get the big markets. But the biggest sport really is college football. And the only reason that the the individual games don't get larger numbers is because there's way more college teams and there's way more college games because of that. But the actual uh, aspect of it, like the identity of it, you will hear guys who grew up in a town next to a college and they identify as being Notre Dame people, as being uh indiana people and they're not saying the state they're saying the college like the alabama people just love identifying themselves with the crimson tide they don't identify with alabama they de- identify with that team and it's very similar to the gats very it's very uh community focused it's very much kind of a uh, identity focus which is the total opposite of the nfl really but it's also like you see people who didn't even go to the college they fall in love with the team and then they become like a mascot for the team like uh there's just so many uh reasons that the the to follow college football outside of the actual football aspect, which is a weird thing to say, but it's, it's such a great, great uh, experience and a great joy. The the one thing you find as well, like famous people, like celebrities and stuff like that, like Tom Segura, one, who's like a massive comedian, he always comes out and talks about college football, college football, college football. And then like, you notice that with the celebrities. It's never really about the NFL because mm. they just see those guys as celebrities. They see the college as like the passion and the, the stuff that they really, really love.
1: Yeah, I think it's- Matthew McConaughey is very much ensconced in, in his... Alma Matter as well, like Texas. It, yeah, as you said, like it really, it really goes back a long way and has those community GA roots that you're alluding to. Just to switch gears, Keen, a couple of stories before we get to the Pick Six, um, we should touch on the Aaron Rodgers situation, which is somewhat unfortunate that um, he's basically a COVID positive and will miss this weekend's game. Just uh, curious about your thoughts on the coverage of this, like as compared to. The Cam Newton one, like not to suggest that it's racially charged, that might be the case, but just that this almost this story developed quite quickly from, you know, the Green Bay Packers having a, a momentous win over the like four undefeated Arizona Cardinals to this where Aaron Rogers, an unvaccinated player, has basically jeopardised the Packers season. So I'm just curious of how you think the whole thing has played out in the last few days.
0: Uh, But Manny Jones mentioned this earlier today, actually, that Aaron Rodgers very purposely said he was immunized when he was asked if he was vaccinated. He never said he was vaccinated. And Rodgers himself obviously misled everyone. But the media themselves also kind of took that and ran with it as being vaccinated. And they never actually pushed on that and pressed on that more. So we've kind of... Everyone's kind of been at fault here a little bit. And I think that's part of what the problem is, or that's part of why it's been covered the way it's been covered. In terms of Rodgers and what he's doing, look... People can get into whatever they want to get into when it comes to vaccines and stuff like that. America is at major extremes when it comes to debate and arguing what is science and what isn't science. I find the whole thing a little bit bizarre because Rogers essentially went into his doctor and said, I want to be vaccinated, but I don't want to actually be vaccinated or get the vaccine. So I'm like, why aren't you just getting the vaccine? So you clearly recognize COVID is an issue and something you want to avoid having. So maybe he's one of these people who believes there's microchips in them or whatever it is. Let him do whatever he wants. But the Packers are now going to get to see Jordan Love, and this wasn't the way they planned on seeing Jordan Love. But to be honest, with the way the Packers have looked after the quarterback situation, did they ever plan on playing Jordan <laughs> Love? Maybe they need something like this for this to happen.
1: Yeah, like some gravity, obviously, in that story is going to be one worth keeping an eye on. Altogether more severe and probably at the the most severe end of the spectrum is the Henry Rugg situation. And we've spoken about the Raiders, Keen and what happened with John Gruden. That in itself was quite unsavory, but the Ruggs situation is quite wild he has been released as a result of a fatal crash where he was driving at 156 miles per hour and was twice over the alcohol limit at the time so like the raiders were obviously it, it had no choice in the matter but it's a quite unfortunate backdrop to this week's nfl anyway
0: yeah that's a incredibly depressing story for many many reasons i think these are honestly the worst stories i ever come across because personally the way I view it like drink driving is obviously a horrible horrible thing and no one should do it but I also find it as something that's not like premeditated it's not like he came out and murdered someone so you can kind of view him that way and say he's someone who's a murderer it's kind of more nuanced that way and then the, the just the details of the woman and the dog and the way in which it all developed it's it's horrifying it's depressing it, it's it's something that no one ever wants to hear about and never wants to talk about from Rogue's point of view like his NFL career is gone presumably whether he's in like there's in Las Vegas, in Nevada, he could be in prison for the next 20 years. So it's the whole thing is just horrible and not knowing you ever want to hear about. And it, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. And I'm not sure what else to call it, really. And I know a lot of people will want to be more stronger and more attacking. But I, I thought Derek Carr was quite good on this, where he looked at it as just something that was horrible for everyone involved. And people don't want to necessarily have any empathy for him. But and maybe they, maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm right or wrong in that. But either way, the whole thing is just it's just depressing.
1: And just to segue into the actual football side of things as best we can, in terms the Raiders have had a tumultuous season as we've touched on there. Like, where are they at? Do you reckon can they possibly? It'd be incredible to regroup. Obviously, neither of the things that have befallen them this season are within their control. The Gruden thing predated his reign there by about eight years. So, like, can they're still probably playoff talent? Would you say? Or, like, can they possibly rally after all this?
0: Yeah, who knows? Um, you just don't know how things are going to weigh on play people. Like the Gruden thing was was crazy. And that probably had... I think the rugs Okay, so rugs is obviously a much, much larger issue in a general and in an actual sense. In a football sense, I think more players will be impacted by Gruden, Gruden's departure just because it's about the coaching staff and the way the coaching works and how that's going to impact them over the rest of the season. With rugs, it's a kind of an immediate reaction to, oh my God, how did this happen? How did this this happen with someone we know and someone we we were working with and seeing all the time? So there's a, a definitely an emotional toll. There's definitely a, a mental challenge that's going to be on that locker room over the next couple of weeks. And you just never know how how teams are going to respond to that in a football sense. In a football on the field. Ruggs is a huge loss as well as a player. Like maybe it, it's completely irrelevant, I guess, overall in the larger scheme of things. But as a player, he was having a, a breakout year. Not really. Well, he wasn't really having a breakout year, but he was he was proving his value to the team. And he's not. He's got a level of ability on the field that they can't easily easily replace. So they they are still good enough to be a playoff team. I think you just have to put a lot more on on Darren Waller, a lot more on Josh Jacobs, a lot more on Derek Carr. And if they can sneak in, they can sneak in. I think they're they're helped by the fact that the Chargers have have dropped off a bit. They're helped by the fact that the Broncos have dropped off a bit. And like the Chiefs are where the Chiefs are. So they're still in the division that they could potentially make the playoffs. But the playoffs are probably the furthest thing from most of their minds
1: right now. Yeah. And just on a positive note amidst all that you touched on Derek Carr, like I think he's been usually impressive and someone who's possibly on the borderline for a long term stint in Las Vegas. I know they've basically every draft it seems like they've been angling towards a replacement for Derek Carr, but I think he's fairly stood up in a playing sense as well. I've always rated him as a player, he's probably had some hiccups, but has been impressive, and his leadership skills have really shone through, so that is as a good note from if you can take one from from all of this. Uh, Just in in terms of our own stuff here on the snap, we have a ton of American football goodness coming your way this week with the return of OTB Club Gridiron. It'll have highlights from the snap this episode and all our previous episodes, reports from games, early bird tickets as we mentioned earlier and lots, lots more. You can pick up the code ahead of that exclusive 48 hour pre-sale on November 19th, that's the best place to get it. Sign up now at otbsports.com forward slash club gridiron. Now, time for the pick six. Yeah, keen number one in the pick six this week. The biggest story of trade deadline we mooted earlier, maybe this time last week, that Deshaun Watson was all but certain to move didn't happen. But Von Miller caught people a bit on the hop. I've my questionable wordplay for this is Miller Lite question mark because this isn't quite the Von Miller that single-handedly carried the ailing Peyton Manning to a second Super Bowl. He's not quite on that level, but when you've got Aaron Donald and and other defensive weapons that the Rams have, he's an extra addendum to the whole thing and can have an impact. It's whether what they've given up is worth it. The Rams have really jeopardized their future in terms of uh, future draft picks. I wonder what your take on it is.
0: I mean, the Rams have done some mad things, but at the very least, they're spending it on good players. Like, you compare them to the Seahawks who gave up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams, and they're just regretting that, flat-out regretting that. The Rams might have some regrets. But they're making aggressive moves to try and win a super bowl and they're making smart moves well you can argue argue whether they're smart or not but they're making moves that make them better as a team Uh, von miller was kind of at that perfect point of being that little bit older having a couple of injuries in his in his past being at that point where his uh window to win a super bowl is not in line with the broncos window to win a super bowl so it just made sense from everyone's uh, point of view He's not a superstar like he once was, but he's still a very good player and can be a very good pass sure, rusher. He opened this season much better than he has been in recent weeks, and maybe there's a little bit behind the scenes there that he didn't want to be in Denver anymore, and that's what led to this trade. I think it, when you pair him with Aaron Donald and you put uh, Leonard Floyd there as well, and you put the the Jalen Ramsey in behind, who's having a great year, and you put the rest of the uh, you put the rest of the team. Uh, the defense as a unit playing well together, I think he could be dropped into there and be a perfect fit. He's going to have a big impact. Aaron Donald draws so much attention that a guy like Von Miller is going to get more one-on-ones. I don't really have any question marks about how he's going to play and how he's going to fit. I guess the only real question is, how much of an impact can he have and how much does he elevate them you never really know when a guy changes teams mid-season mid mid, mid season and you never really know when someone's at that stage of his career this could really energize him and push him to a new level and if it does well then the rams are probably the super bowl favorites and are at least the right next to the buccaneers
1: it's interesting no i think you're spot on like it's probably a first ballot hall of famer on the the strength of what he's done so far and the kind of player that the rams didn't need to get to the playoffs, but will get them through the playoffs, probably into the latter end, if he can stay healthy and, and have that kind of impact. Just on the, the Broncos side of things, it's quite interesting if you look at the details of this. Um, we know Von Miller's coming into a contract year, the Broncos are still paying the majority of his salary, I think only a couple of hundred thousand are falling on the Rams books. So essentially if you look at it that way, the picks that the Broncos are getting in return, they're basically paying for those. and. I think speculation has mounted, and we won't be the first to suggest that they're banking up a bit of a draft haul to go after Aaron Rodgers in the in the next off season. So, do you think like obviously Aaron Rodgers would improve the team greatly? Are they in win now mode if they get Aaron Rodgers in? Like, what's your makeup or what's your thoughts on the makeup of that roster when everyone's healthy?
0: Uh, so much can change and I think the fact that you've gotten rid of Von Miller says they're going to have to have a little bit more of a reset like Bradley Bradley Chubb will come back and he's a really good pass rusher so essentially you still have someone to build your defense around but I don't think they have that kind of quality to be uh, a contender straight away if you just get a a better quarterback Aaron Rodgers I don't know can you really give up a haul for him at this stage of his career he's too old Like he's still a great quarterback and he's probably got a a few more years left in him but uh, it, it just seems too aggressive a move for the Broncos especially when they don't have an established offensive line The positives of the roster, like Melvin Gordon, still a really good running back, Uh, Noah Fant, and I can't say the other other tight end's name, but there's there's a tight end there who's a compliment to him who's very, very good as well, who just came back from injury last week. So so they've got two strong tight ends there. And then Cortland Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, a bunch of wide receivers there who are really good. So if you did get Rodgers, then you added an offensive lineman or two, you could have a really good offense there. But whether you'd have enough on defense to then compete with the best teams in the league, you're still wondering. Like the off-seasons in the NFL, an awful lot can happen. So if you do get a good free agent class and if you do a couple of rookies who can contribute, things can turn around pretty quickly. But that's essentially what the Broncos have to do now, I guess, because... It doesn't really look like they're going to be a playoff team. It did look like at the start of the year they could be a playoff team. And poor Teddy Bridgewater just seems to be at that point where he's always good enough to start and not good enough for anyone to stick with him for the long term. Like even the Panthers are placing with Sam Darnold, which obviously isn't working out. And we could have told you it wouldn't work out. But <laughs> Bridgewater might just be uh, the backup quarterback there for the long term. Maybe that might be the best thing he can offer.
1: Yeah. On to number two in the pick six and White Christmas, an early Christmas present for the Jets game. Have we got a QB controversy in New York all of a sudden? Like a guy that most people hadn't heard of um, before this season, even though he's been with the Jets, I think, two years since 2019. Like this wasn't a case where he finagled a win, you know, like with the running back and just a few sneaky trick players. Like he, he set some sorts of records in terms of yardage thrown and made some clutch throws, I thought. Like he went down, obviously he scored on the first drive, but like, Some nice decision-making elsewhere in the game against what we thought and what we were billing as a good team last week So what's your what's your assessment of the whole thing?
0: Uh, Yeah, um, I think we need to reassess if the Bengals are a good team who knows at this point because that game was bizarre Um, Yeah, so Mike White in 2013 tweeted that he was gonna break Peyton Manning's records and Mike White now has His jersey and a game ball from his game in the Hall of Fame in Canton because he threw for over 400 yards Um, what was astonishing to me when that record came up I remember Cam Newton doing that in his debut and he threw for 410 or 415 or whatever it was and I remember how incredibly difficult it was for Cam Newton to do that he had to make so many difficult throws so many incredible plays to Steve Smith down the sideline and watching this game I was just like mike white is putting up four over 400 yards and it's so easy and it's not a, a, an, a an indication that the bengals aren't good it's an indication of just how much easier it is now for quarterbacks and this is where you might see uh, a positive boost for backups guys like trevor simeon can come in guys like mike white can come in and be just good enough to put up relatively big numbers and i think that's kind of what we saw last week how good mike white will be who knows He he could be a long-term starter he might just be a back but sometimes guys come in they have two or three good weeks and then they collapse themselves completely i think it will come down to his mindset more than anything else because he has the physical ability and the actual talents to be an nfl starter but then you come to the point with the jets where if zach, when zach wilson comes back you can't sit him he's got to he's got to play like he's he's your guy he, he's who you are investing your future and in, in your franchise on so you need zach to, to to be a to be the starter and if he can't beat mike whitehouse then you're probably going to be in trouble. Like the last time someone like Mike White came along and became a legitimate franchise quarterback, unless I'm overlooking someone, it was Tony Romo. And Tony Romo did that, what was it, started in the 2000s? So this isn't something that happens very often.
1: No, that's a good comparison. And a curious like, situation there where you've got a de facto rookie in Mike White, someone who hadn't played an NFL game or started one before this season, backing up Zach Wilson, who's an out-and-out rookie. And they've obviously drafted Joe Flacco back in to back up that QB core. They gave up a pick for that, so having released him, so that was a bit nonsensical from the Jets. But um, no, it's like it is interesting. as you said, I think I think Wilson's gonna get the nod. But should White get more chances and perform like that, or something even close to that level, he will get jobs there or elsewhere. So one, one to keep an eye on. And he's already got his his gear in Canton, which is uh, nobody can take that away from him. In terms of the Bengals, just quickly, the implications of that for them was a bit baffling. Like, I was in here on the Sunday show, so I was just keeping an eye on the score. I actually could not believe, I thought there was something wrong with my app, that the Jets were beating the Bengals. But what was your thoughts on, on that side of the ball?
0: I mean, it, it, to be fair, like I, I kind of criticised them there a minute ago, but it did feel like they were largely in control of the game, and... Jamar Chase dropped a touchdown uh, they had a couple of their own self-inflicted wounds inside of that but it was pretty much routine and they were in control and then in the fourth quarter the Jets scored what looked like just a a, 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 a touchdown at the end that wasn't really going to actually amount to anything but then the Bengals came out and tried to throw a quick throw outside on the very first play when they should have been just running clock and it got tipped and intercepted and then suddenly the Jets were in position to win the game and Everything kind of just devolved from there. I, I I'm kind of tend I, I tend to just kind of throw it out and just say, okay, it was a, a one off mad game. I didn't really see anything from the Bengals that suggests oh they're suddenly a bad team or they've got major flaws they need to address. I think they probably just overlooked the Jets a little bit and then got caught in the end. So I wouldn't worry too much about them. I think they'll still be a playoff team.
1: And on to number three in the pick six, Odell No. And this Odell Beckham Jr. situation, Keane, so Essentially, for people who haven't seen, his dad posted a video, I think something in the region of 11 minutes, which showed clips, basically a a, a compilation of clips of him being wide open and not getting the ball. And to what extent, as someone who studies tape yourself, I'm sure you could do that for a lot of wide receivers in terms of them running good routes and perhaps they just weren't one of the first or second options and just ran a good route and didn't get the ball. But the fact that they were able to put that together, it's kind of shining some light on Baker Mayfield, who we know is a an average to maybe slightly above average quarterback at best but Beckham I was interested to see I think you tweeted something along the lines of his sheer like athletic freakness when he first burst onto the team doesn't quite have that anymore so your assessment of the situation to where it looks like the Browns are going to be happy enough to part ways with Beckham in the next few weeks possibly even release him.
0: Well, they said he's not going to play for the team again the rest of the year. I don't think they can release him just because of the contract. So I think it's it's an off-season trade next year or a release in the off-season. So firstly, Odell Beckham, since his ACL tear, has not been the same player that he was before the ACL tear. That first step of explosion is gone. And that's not unusual. That happens to a bunch of players. But he's still a very, very good receiver. The video that Odell Beckham's father tweeted or put on Instagram, it's... Okay, so there are some players there that are not, the, the wide receiver is not open. Like, it's, it's a matter of, it, it, the way NFL tape works and the way if you look at the All-22, you can have a player who looks like he's wide open, but the reality is the time it takes the ball to get to him and based on the body position of the defender, and the posture of the defender, the defender is going to step in front of that throw and catch the ball even though it doesn't look like it. So you have to understand the way the coverages are working and the way things are going to develop. You also have to understand, like, there's one play in there that's a, a post route that has three breaks in the route. Three breaks in a route means that the play is taken forever. It's like you, you don't have time to have three breaks in your route. So the idea there is that Odell is in behind the back of the coverage and he's wide open and the ball isn't thrown to him. The ball isn't thrown to him because the pass rush has already tackled the quarterback. So technically he's open, but no, he's not actually open because you have to be open within a certain amount of time. You have to be open within the timing of the play that allows you. So there are major flaws with that video that was posted. But with all that said... This is not news. Baker Mayfield has always had problems seeing the field. Baker Mayfield has always made bad decisions as a drop back passer. He's not a pocket quarterback. And essentially, if you're not a pocket quarterback, you're not a good quarterback because good quarterbacks see the field. They recognize when their receivers have opportunities. You can make this type of video for anyone, but it would take you a full season, a 16 game season to get like 10 minutes of real plays like that for a good quarterback. For a bad quarterback you could take four games and make a 10-minute video with plays like that and baker unfortunately falls into that latter category where he's just a bad quarterback who doesn't see the field often enough and it's not a coincidence that mayfield's numbers have been better when he's been in these play action offenses because those take away how how often you have to drop back in the pocket and read from sideline to sideline when you use play action a lot it gives you narrow focus it gives you one or two receivers rather than three four and five receivers to try and choose from so it's not it's nothing new But generally, when something comes from the father of a player, it's probably come through the player, which is probably why Odell is now being sit down for the rest of the year. Either way, Odell to the Browns was never something anyone wanted, or never something that Odell wanted. And it doesn't seem like it's something the Browns have wanted lately either.
1: Yeah, I know there was a parallel with Tom Brady earlier in the season, where Tom Brady's dad, who seems to do some sort of regular hit on Boston radio, was... uh, Casting aspersions on his whole relationship with Bill Belichick and beyond, and then Brady basically scolded his dad in the press conference. But I agree with you, most of this stuff doesn't happen without the say-so of the player. And you see it sometimes in in soccer as well, where especially in South American players, where Edison Cavani's dad will appear on radio Mm -hmm. and start basically talking uh, out the side of his mouth about what Cavani's thinking. That'd be my impression of it anyway, but... Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. But the Browns are... I mean, are d- to, be fair, to be fair,
0: Cavani has had put himself in hot water before, so he doesn't need his father to do it.
1: This is true, this is true. But the Browns, like, I don't know if it's my chagrin at the disrespect for the Ravens, but for the last few seasons, I think the Browns have come in as favourites just because they've made favourites for that division, I should say, because they've made some flashy acquisitions. But then, like, the Steelers beat them as the Steelers always beat them. The Bengals have been more impressive, look like a better unit with lesser personnel, I would say, in in most parts of the field. And like like what what are the Browns at the moment? They're not the mediocre team of your, but they're not very good either.
0: They're kind of exactly what we expected them to be when they abandoned the rebuild, when they got rid of Sashi Brown. Like Sashi Brown's idea was let's go 0 and 16, 1 and 15, and 1 and 15 for as long as we have to, so we can then build a powerhouse and build a superstar team. And they abandoned that halfway through. So now they've got great players like Miles Garrett and Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb, but they don't have a full-out full roster because they tried to rush to get to 8-8, eight and eight, which is essentially what they are. I thought it was interesting, though, that um, Baker Mayfield, when this stuff was brought to him, his response, it was kind of, he said the right things, I guess, but the way he said them didn't exactly inspire confidence. Like he was saying, oh, Odell's a really talented player. Why wouldn't they throw him the ball? Rather than oh no, this is, I didn't see that, I should have seen that, or Odell and I are really good together and we've got no problems. It, it didn't feel real or good. And it reminded me that Baker has had his own issues with this before, where Duke Johnson, he gave out to because Duke Johnson wanted a new contract or wanted a trader, wanted, wanted to know his role in the team. And Baker came out publicly and, and kind of lambasted him or scolded him. And he had to be talked to about that. So the Browns locker room has kind of always had these issues and it's kind of never been what they expected it to be. And part of the problem is probably all the media hype that was given to them over the last couple of years.
1: It's true. It's one, like, the shakeout of that division will be interesting. The Bengals obviously blitzed the Ravens, but then gave away that lead. The Ravens retook top spot in the North without even playing a game, so they played the Vikings this week and I think talk about teams coming under pressure, I think the Zimmer-Cousins relationship is going to be under some renewed scrutiny, I think. Number four in the pick six, Keane, lights. Kamara, action. Alvin Kamara is getting a shout here because the Saints actually don't lend themselves to that many good puns, but there was some talk that with... So unfortunately one of our favourite players went out injured for the Saints, Jameis Winston, I say favourite, someone we've talked about a lot on this show. He's out for the season, sadly. Trevor Simeon came in, did quite well. But Sean Payton was saying after the game that if he had gotten injured, next man up was Alvin Kamara to play quarterback. So they're in that sort of dicey situation. It looks like Taysom Hill, young 30-year-old Taysom Hill, will be back this week. So he gives them another maybe strand of, of offense coming up. But Sean Payton, just given what he's working with and the fact that Michael Thomas was out and is now out indefinitely, he has to be into coach of the air conversation, surely.
0: Oh, you can't believe you buried the lead. You buried the lead. Philip Rivers is talking about coming back and being the Saints quarterback. He, he's mentioned himself and put himself forward apparently. Is he
1: not too busy with his under 11s uh, flag football team now? <laughs> yeah,
0: and creating another flag football team in his spare time. Um, yeah. the. The Saints have done very well, and I, I think we all realized, or we all recognized coming into the year that the, the roster was extremely talented, but none of us trusted the quarterback. So when you're in that position, normally losing your quarterback doesn't hurt you that much. The question now becomes, is Taysom Hill the better option, or is Trevor Simeon the better option? Simeon has no arm strength, uh, essentially. That's all the only issue he has. Like He's a pretty smart quarterback. He's generally good in the pocket. He's a decent athlete in terms of running around the field but his arm is just so incredibly weak that he will not be able to make a lot of throws. Maybe Peyton can build an offense around him that works perfectly to him. But I think we're probably more likely to see Taysom Hill thrown in as a full-time starter and them going with those uh, power run plays with the quarterback involved, with Alvin Kamara getting more of the ball. One of the things I I found uh, frustrating with Peyton, even though the Saints are winning and they're doing a good job overall, it still feels like Alvin Kamara isn't involved enough. Like There was one situation last week where had Alvin Kamara on the field at the goal line and he was running a sweep to the right and what they actually did was threw a threw to the tight end on a screen on the left wide wide outside and it's just I, I understand you don't want to do the obvious thing all the time but if you've got a guy as good as Alvin Kamara you just give him the ball don't like don't don't get too ridiculous where you're throwing the ball to a slow tight end to try and run the ball in and you're trying to catch the defense out just just give the ball to Kamara let him go and score and, and win the game but Besides those minor issues, you have to give them credit. They beat the Buccaneers in the game that I didn't think they'd win. They've done well over, throughout the whole year and they look on schedule to be a playoff team despite losing Drew Brees last year, which was a huge loss.
1: Have stranger things happen than Drew Brees getting a call out of the NBC booth to come back rather than Philip Rivers?
0: I mean, it might suit him, and I didn't even really think of that, but it might suit him because his problem was always that his arm would wear down over the end of the year, and if he doesn't play the first half of the season and then comes in for the run-in, maybe that works.
1: Yeah, he's looking, he's looking nice and fresh there in the NBC studio. I thought there was some talk that he was going to get, sort of nudge uh, Chris Collinsworth out of the booth, but Chris is still there for the time being anyway. Um, we move on to number five in the pick six, and another, another sad note, another player we've mentioned a good bit on the show, uh, Derek Henry, is out for the season also. Um, after being on MVP pace for much of this season, he's been brought in by another fellow we mentioned last week, Adrian Peterson. So Peterson's going to step into the breach there somewhat, at least carry some of the load. Does this derail the Titans' chances like people were talking about as the best team in the AFC?
0: I actually don't think it does. It's different. And actually, I didn't realise Adrian Peterson was still trying to be in the league because I'm surprised the Ravens didn't sign him after Gus Edwards went out because that would have made perfect sense. The aspect of Derrick Henry, or the interesting dynamic of Derrick Henry is... He's not really a receiver and he's not really a pass blocker. He's not. You're not losing much in the passing game. What you need to replace when losing Derrick Henry is a very powerful runner, someone who is running between the tackles constantly, someone who can carry the ball a lot, and someone who's explosive in space and running in a straight line. And Adrian Peterson, even at 36 years of age, he still ticks all those boxes. Like This is the perfect fit for Adrian Peterson because... Peterson was the superstar in the league, superstar running back over the first half of his career, and then the league started to change to become more pass oriented and more spread out, and running backs had to pass block and they had to rotate on and off the field and they had to be able to run into the slot. Peterson can't do any of that, but he can do everything that Derrick Henry does. I think you won't see the 250-yard rushing games. You won't see the 200-yard rushing games. But you'll see Peterson be very effective. You'll see him maintain the identity of that offense. And you'll see the play action still work for Ryan Tannehill. So I don't think this is going to completely derail their season by any means. I think they'll be fine. It's, it's something they'll need to adjust to. And obviously, it'll hurt them against the, the better teams later in the year because Henry is a better version of Peterson. But now that I think of it, the Titans should have had Peterson on the roster all year as a, as a backup. He would have been perfect compliments to, to what Henry does
1: and for the tight ty- or for derek henry more specifically his long-term prospects is this going to hurt him and like specifically the injury physically gonna hamper him when he comes back do you think
0: i would imagine so foot problems aren't great for anyone but especially not when you're running back and especially not when you're a very heavy running back who makes aggressive cuts like he's he he's had a couple of good years now and generally that's all you get from a from a running back. Peterson being 36 and still being in the league is an incredible achievement. That's like that's more impressive than Tom Brady being 43 or whatever he is and playing quarterback still. Because running backs, like most running backs, are retired by 26, not 36. So Henry's going to follow that path, I'd imagine. But he's already got paid. He already got his big contract. The Titans have got value from him, so no one can really complain too much if he does never reach the heights he's currently at.
1: Yeah, and we'll go on to number six, lastly, on the pick six, is what's Love got to do with it? And this is also our competition game for the week. Just It was supposed to be Rodgers against Mahomes, but it no longer is. Jordan Love is getting the nod here. And what do you think we're going to learn, Kane? before we give the odds and on, on the line for this game? What can we possibly learn from, from Love's performance? Is he in an unwinnable position, or can the, can the Packers actually beat the Chiefs here?
0: Yes. I think, but that's because the Chiefs aren't good. Um, I Jordan Love is. Jordan Love has barely played, so we don't really know what he is. I, I know what he was in college a couple of years ago. He was a, a developmental passer who should have gone in the second or third round, but went at the top at the end of the first round and hasn't really shown it in the minimum of time he's played in preseason and 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 stuff like that. So you don't really know what you're going to see. I think he. If you want to compare him stylistically to someone, you'd compare him to Patrick Mahomes, but he's not on Patrick Mahomes' level. He just play, has that style of play, so maybe this is the perfect game for him to start. They can win. I don't think they will win, but if they do, it'll be on the back of uh, the couple of running backs they've got there, Aaron Jones and uh, the one, second running back's name is you right now, but it'll be on the back of the, the two running backs there rather than the passing game. You have to remember, the wide receivers are all coming off of COVID. Uh, Robert Tanyan tore his ACL he's done for the year so the offense was already relying on Aaron Rodgers an awful lot And I think this is a bad football team without Aaron Rodgers so If Love comes in and plays like a rookie like you'd expect him to or if he plays like a a limited experience player Then I could see the Chiefs blowing them out But the Chiefs themselves have beaten themselves so so many times this year that maybe they'll do that and do the Packers a favor
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, this is our competition game if you want to win some off-the-ball branded goodies, co-branded goodies ahead of our game coming up in the Erlingers College Football Classic. Just tell us your winner with the spread, and that spread is 7.5 points, keen So with that in mind, the, the Packers are heading in with, with 7.5 points in their pocket. Is that enough, do you think, or would you still make the Chiefs' favourites here? Give me the Chiefs. Give them the Chiefs. Like, it is kind of, it's a strange must-win for them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, they've battled back a little bit, but they still haven't impressed at all, have they? Like, I, I, I haven't seen Mahomes look like Mahomes lately. I haven't seen Tyree Kill look like Tyree Kill. Like, there's too many problems there to kind of just say, oh, they're winning games, they'll be fine. The only saving grace for them is the Chargers haven't kicked on. So maybe they'll be able to win that division, even though we didn't expect them to. But Man, it still just doesn't feel good. It feels like everything's weighted down. Like, they used to be sprinters all over the field. Now it feels like they're hesitant. They don't know exactly where to be. And the ball isn't getting to where it needs to be. And Travis Kelsey has just not been involved at all. Like, he's not that old that he's slowing down. That's just a a weird thing. That's a weird phenomenon that's happening there where he's not getting the looks he normally gets.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny in the Super Bowl last year when they were talking about Kelsey as the next Gronk. And not to mention Gronk, I played him, but also like they're basically the same age. So like Travis Kelce yeah. should should still have a bit more left in the tank. I agree with you. I think the Chiefs need to win and will win. They should cover that spread of seven and a half points, uh, given the quarterback situation across the field. So yeah, if anyone agrees, Kane and myself, or more to the point, if you disagree, just give us your winner. Use the hashtag OTB Snap. Thanks a million, Kane. Chat to you next week. See ya. And thanks to Ken and Andy for helping put the show together. And thanks to all of you for watching, we'll chat to you next Thursday.